to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand. We are going to be talking some Inter-Miami CF uh, with my good friend and your friend as well. All the listeners love you. It's Logan Stump. Well, thanks, listeners. That's so nice of you. Uh, what's going on, Super Jordan? Fools. How you doing? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Thanks. Okay. I'm done talking. I'm just kidding. Jordan, you can take us into even, the interview. It's not even April Fool's Day. But... Yeah, you're an April Fool. <laughs> it's still April. I thought I'd get that in there. No, they do love you. I'm sure they do. Uh, sure. I mean, the the uh, the guys over at the final third apparently think you're the superior co-host, which I think is a little a uh, little rude, but. Um... Yeah, I mean it's it's true, it's honest, it's you know it's the hot takes that we that we're in there for. So uh, we are talking Inter Miami, like I said. Who do we have with us today, Logan? Yeah, so Kobe Price is going to jump on, and he's a sports reporter at South Florida Sun Sentinel, covers uh, Inter Miami, and really excited to have Kobe on. Really excited to talk some superheroes because in his uh, covers his cover photo on Twitter, he's got some superheroes. So I'm sure we'll get into some of that. So that's, that's going to be exciting and looking forward to this preview, this, this team, man, this team, that's all I have to say. All right, let's go ahead and bring Kobe on. The Stateside Soccer Show, talking the beautiful game in the land of the free. Breaking down Major League Soccer, U.S. Men's National Team, and more with Logan and Jordan. And we now welcome in Kobe Price, a reporter for the South Florida Sun Sentinel who covers Inner Miami. Uh, how are you today, Kobe? I am well, Jordan. How are you doing? How are you guys doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for jumping on and talking some Inner Miami with us. Oh no, my pleasure. Uh, should be fun, fun team, fun club. With uh, news, always, you know, always something new to talk about with this team. I'll say that. <laughs> you know, for a team that is so young, it is it is remarkable how much there is to talk about this team. Uh, every every day, pretty much at this point. Uh, but uh, where can people find all of your work uh, for Inner Miami, and how long have you been covering them? Yeah, so I've been covering Inner Miami since last, uh, I'm about to say July, last January, January 2020. And you can find all of my work on them at uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel. Uh, that's where I work, that's who pays my bills. <laughs> uh, and you can find me uh, 
at, on Twitter, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, but Twitter is the best place to find me. Uh, K-H-O-B-I underscore Price, P-R-I-C-E. And we also have our own Twitter page for Inter-Miami coverage at the Sun Sentinel, uh, Inter-Miami Insider uh, at Inter, capital M-I-A, and then Insider. Awesome. Uh, so Inter-Miami just joined the league in 2020. Um had one of the worst starts to an MLS uh, expansion team, but ultimately ended up in uh, the playoffs in their first year. Uh, we usually like to ask our guests to reflect on 2020 uh, and the previous season. Uh, what were your overall thoughts and takeaways from their inaugural season? Busy season. You couldn't get any busier. No, it, it was, it, it was admittedly a tough year. Uh, just speaking with people, and the organization just it was a tough year for them you know you get off to I think the worst start uh, in expansion history for, for MLS club they lost their first five games before winning the sixth game um, coming out of the MLS back tournament against Orlando City their rival but I mean just the ups and downs having to deal with the pandemic uh, the stops and starts you know which brought its own issues because things that they had planned for didn't come to fruition and Everything got got pushed back. You don't have any fans um, for most for most of the season. And you, even when you do get fans, it's in a, in a limited capacity towards the end of the year for like I think the final few games, uh, home games that is. So just a lot of bumps in the road. Which I mean, for Inter Miami, uh, for a club that David Beckham had been trying to get on the field since 2014, having a whole bunch of bumps in the road isn't shouldn't be surprising because every single step has been you know a little bumpy, but uh, admittedly, and this is something that they all admit, uh, it wasn't the kind of season that they wanted. They didn't have the success they wanted. Yes, they made the playoffs, albeit in a playoff field that was expanded from seven to right. ten. So, and, and Jorge Mas, uh, I think you know, he said it in February, maybe even January, that was cool. That was great for the first year, but that's not why they're in the league. So that and that's the, that's the standard they set for themselves before the year even started. So if that's the standard you're setting. That's the standard we hold you to. And uh, successful in some ways, but in the ways that, you know, winning and being one of the top teams in MLS, it, it wasn't what they wanted. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it speaks volumes too when they go into the off season and now they start to make some serious changes um, to the personnel, to the coaching staff, to the, all the way up, they start making changes. Uh, this off season, they went in and brought sporting director, Chris Henderson in, New head coach Phil Neville. Um, culture looks like something that I mean, like you said, they're just really gearing up towards being one of the top teams, a team that that people can be proud of. Um, can you first off just tell us what does uh, Chris Henderson bring to Miami, and then second, how do you think Phil Neville does as he makes his move into South Florida? Yeah, with Chris, I and mean, he just brings a certain level of know-how. He's been in. I mean, he's been involved with MLS for shoot two decades. Funny, funny facts. Uh, so I'm sure you guys know Miami Fusion back the, the previous MLS right, club in right. South Florida. Mm-hmm. Chris Henderson actually played for the final season um, of that Miami Fusion team. He was a part of that Miami Fusion team that won the Supporters Shield. And obviously he'd been, he'd been involved with Seattle Sounders for a little over a decade. And now he's returned back to South Florida. Right. So he does bring that certain level of know-how, institutional knowledge, and or league knowledge rather, and then just a certain level of institutional knowledge in terms of, all right, 
I have the connections down where in the places that matter, I have the connections down in South America. I have the connections all over the world in terms of scouting. And I also have proven, he's proven not only can he find the talent, but he can put the things in place to develop that talent as well. I mean, you saw what happened in Seattle and what they turned into uh, dynasty, uh, MLS dynasty. Right. So he brings that, he, he brings that level of comfort. He brings that, you know, and it wasn't just something that he did for a year or so or a year or two. He was involved there for a decade plus and his, he's tough line, his resume it can't, you can't, there's no chink in the armor. In right. this. Or if there is, it's very little. Like, it's right. very much like, this is my resume. You can poke any holes that you want to, but you can't deny that this resume is top tier. Um, Phil, you know, I, I, and I think him, uh, Chris and Phil are coming for the same reasons, but I think Phil brings a different element. He's just on the field. That's, they're trying to, I guess, uh, he's the one trying to bring out, carry out the ownership's vision on the field. Obviously, Chris will do that, you know, the roster moves and all the stuff on the soccer side, um, the soccer front office side. But Phil is responsible for, you know, taking all these pieces. And it's a whole lot of different pieces coming from a whole lot of different places. Right. And creating this vision, the Jorge Moss vision, the David Beckham vision of how the team wants to play. Exciting, quick, fast, possession-based. A team that... I think they've said it themselves, a team that wins, fans can come into the stadium when they can be proud of. And that's pretty much what Phil's going to have to do, as well as bring together a team this year that appeared very disjointed and inconsistent from last year. That's that's obviously his biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle he's going to have to overcome. Do you think uh, Phil gets a little, um, you know, too much stick at times for uh you know, joining from the English women's team. I, I feel like I haven't watched a lot of their games. I have seen some of theirs, but like, I don't see why everybody is giving him as much like, oh, that was not a great hire or sexy hire, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's too much because the 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 question is very simple to me and i'll ask you guys in return i know it's your podcast but if you guys would feel comfortable i ask i, I, would, I, sure, would, yeah. I would love to hear what you guys think if phil neville wasn't if phil neville didn't have that relationship with david beckham would he be the coach under miami that's what yeah that's what i don't know the answer to like I, I feel like you know at least he does have some sort of coaching experience with the english women's national team but uh, I, I think the David Beckham part is really what makes it seem a little shadier. It's almost like the, you know, Greg Berhalter getting the job after his brother, you know, is in the uh, you know, position in U.S. soccer and stuff, which maybe there would be some sort of merit there, even if the relationship wasn't there. But the fact that the relationship is there, I feel like it highlights more of a, a, a spotlight onto it than maybe there would be if there was no relationship there. But uh, you're right. I mean, I have, I have no idea if, if they didn't have a relationship. I'm not sure if he would get the job. Um, but also, I guess you could look at it as not just the relationship, but the name of Phil Neville, too, a, a former player, you know, overseas English man. You know, I feel like a lot of those players get that opportunity, you know, uh, coming over here, especially. Logan, do you have any? Yeah, I, was, I mean, same thing. I, I think with the English ties, especially – uh, when you see it over in England, because uh, we do Premier League podcasts and you can just kind of see the ties that Premier League managers and Premier League owners and players and former players have had with with one another. And 
you know, I think it's also an, uh, an interesting thing when you when you talk Thierry Henry and him leaving and his ties to different groups over in, in England. And I think that you got kind of a similar situation here where I think Neville, you know, I think he feels comfortable with David. And I, I think that his move to Miami is essentially just due, in fact, to the, the relationship of the, of the two. And I think that building that over time, I think they feel comfortable operating underneath or him operating underneath one another and, and just kind of know each other's system and know what each other have to offer. Um, but yeah, I agree with, with Jordan. I think that it's, you know, it's much more about um, kind of those ties and going back to their relationship. And, you know, I think he's going to get scrutiny no matter what, and especially taking over a club that just, you know, doesn't perform yet, but if he's successful, then they're going to stop scrutinizing every move that he's made. And I, I agree with you very much with you two in the sense that, Let's be honest, so many of, especially at this level of sports, of sporting, like the connections matter, the relationships matter. People, and I think especially, and this isn't to throw, like this isn't disparaging towards Diego Alonso, right? Um, in some in some ways, you, you we, we knew what Diego, Diego Alonso was, right? He, he had won, he had won CONCACAF, right? Uh, twice. He, he had a certain resume where you could look at this guy and be like, yeah, this, this is, like this is a real manager, and even though my Inter Miami had a disappointing first year, I don't think that makes uh, Diego Alonso any less of a manager. But there seems to be um, there seems to be a greater, obviously greater comfort between you know Beckham and Phil, simply because they've known each other since they were teenagers. And that's understandable. Like that's so much outside right. of sports, outside like that's just our business. You do things typically, you make business decisions with people you are comfortable with, have a relationship with, etc. So and that matters. And I think I think even like David or maybe Jorge say it would be naive of them to act like it didn't matter. Um but to kind of, I guess, come back around and answer your question. I, I don't know if he gets like too much scrutiny because uh, for taking the job without having any club, uh, any head coaching experience at the club. I think that's the big thing. Right. He has to prove himself on that level. The England's women's national team experience is great. Um, it does matter. And also his assistant coaching experience at other clubs uh, matter as well. Um, and I think everything that will need to be proved will be proved maybe not this year, but the next few years as, uh, as Phil can get his hands on this team and just kind of implement his vision for what he wants for this team, but also implement the ownership position for what he wants for this team. I, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess that's not the best thing to say on a podcast. I don't know, but I simply don't. Because <laughs> he, yeah, I, I simply no, don't I get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish they would have done a wider search, uh, honestly, just because you don't know, like, who would impress you in an interview, you know, that, like, maybe you would feel comfortable with them and, and build a, you know, repertoire or, or whatever, rapport with them. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, that answers that. answers that. Logan, did you want – oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I... – yeah, and they and Ma said that it was a very wide ranging interview process. So I'll no take way. a word for that. But at the same time, it, it just happened so quickly. It didn't feel like it. It didn't seem like it. And if and if Beckham like if Beckham reflected 
on this past year, on the first season, also understand he was away that entire time because of the pandemic. Right, right. Uh, he's been in South Florida pretty much ever, like ever since he said Christmas, just so he can do more here, like he can be more involved. And if he looked at the team and saw, you know, we hired these people, we hired uh, Paul McDonough, who brought in Diego Alonso, and we hired these people. I'm not like, this isn't what I wanted. This is what I'm comfortable with. This isn't, these aren't the people who I think are going to carry out my vision. I have people in mind who, uh, I already have other people in mind. Cause remember Chris Henderson was a finalist with Paul McDonough for the GM mm-hmm. spot um, beforehand. And Phil Neville obviously, you know, has been coaching the past few years, has that relationship with Beckham, has that pedigree that, you know, similar pedigree, maybe not to the same level, but a similar one as Beckham, you know, former premier league player. I, that's completely understandable. But everything that's going to really need to be, you know, we're going to people are going to judge him is going to come up these next few months and a little bit after that, maybe possibly. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the vision thing that you picked up that, that you know, in all sports and top sports, you've got guys, you know, I, specifically there in Miami, you've got guys that when they come in, like Chris Greer comes in and he takes over and he, and he puts, you know, Flores in charge and he's, you know, you got Miami that's, you got Spolstra underneath Pat Riley. I mean, they've got guys that they're comfortable with that they're like, okay, this is the person that I think shares my vision. And, and you know, beyond that, you know, you can't stop somebody just because, Hey, you know, it's been one year and you give them a shot and then, you're like, okay, I need to move on to the next manager because they share my vision. But just kind of moving on into the next question. Um, as far as the vision for the club, they, they're supposed to open Miami Freedom Park um, in the third season for the club. Are there any updates on the stadium or have they been kind of delayed because of pandemic issues? Or have you heard anything from Miami ownership that, that says that, hey, we're getting started on this? Yeah, we actually just spoke with uh, Jorge Masade. He did give us an update that they expect to play in Fort Lauderdale at, uh, I about to say Inter Miami CF Stadium, but now it's Drive Pink <laughs> Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. After the auto nation deal, it's going to take me a minute to get used to that, but they plan on playing there for the next three years. Um, so 2021, 2023. So maybe by 2024, they will have Miami, Miami Freedom Park. Um, up and operating and ready to play in. Uh, there have been delays. Uh, Moss told us back in February that he expected a lease agreement to come into, uh, to be made within 45 days, which was, you know, late March, early April. Here we are in early April, the agreement hasn't been in place. And now he's saying it may be another four or five or six weeks. It, it has been some of the pandemic stuff has delayed things uh, as I'm sure anyone else can imagine. Right. Um, South Florida, uh, Miami specifically, the Miami politics can be very difficult to navigate through, which has also slowed them down. Uh, I say this specifically because Fort Lauderdale, I mean, obviously they have the same Fort Lauderdale. They've been, you know, it's been a little more accommodating. It's uh, the, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale actually joked earlier today saying that uh, in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, they don't mind being the permanent home of Inter Miami. And, <laughs> I, he was wearing a mask, so I couldn't really like see his mouth or his nose. <laughs> but like Jorge, like everybody was laughing. Jorge Moss was giving that little like, like that nervous laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but they're very adamant that uh, you know they they they're, they were very adamant that they're a Miami team that you know their training facility is going to be in Fort Lauderdale. Their USL team is going to play in Fort Lauderdale. The academy will be in Fort Lauderdale, but they want to make sure that they carry out the vision of Miami Freedom Park, which is going to be supposed to be more than just a soccer stadium. It's supposed to be hotels tech hub, all the good stuff. So it's to be really much a pretty much a hub for 
uh, for the city. So that's the, still the plan. But, you know, originally the plan was to play two seasons at two seasons at Fort Lauderdale. Now it's going to be, I guess, four. So I guess we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, just uh, just hang tight here because I'm going to drop a name here that you're probably sick of hearing about. But Blaze Matweedy. Oh, right? boy. <laughs> no, no, I, I like Blaze. Blaze is cool. It's just he, he gets asked. I'm sure you guys can imagine he gets asked about a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so he was a big topic uh, this offseason uh, since MLS had opened an investigation. And this is one of the rare occasions where MLS actually announces they're opening an investigation. Typically, they just are very not, uh, uh, what's it called, transparent uh, regarding this type of stuff. Right. Um, but uh, for those unfamiliar with the situation, are you able to give us a, a brief rundown of the details and if there's been any updates uh, recently regarding his situation yeah just quick rundown uh blaze mitsweetie obviously french defensive uh defensive midfielder central midfielder um saw he got a sign on a free transfer from juve uh, i believe that would have been he signed august of 2020 at the time it was announced as a tam targeted allocation money deal um making mitsweetie a tam player uh and then, you know, finished out. Then they signed Gonzalo Higuain, same thing, free transfer from, um, from Juve as their third DP. Uh, and so they finished out the, the 2020 season with the DPs of Higuain, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, that is, uh, Rodolfo Pizarro and Matias Pellegrini. And this year, I think that would have been March 5th, March 6th, whichever one of those days, like a, a Friday. I remember it was a Friday too, because I was – I was mad. It was yeah. a Friday. <laughs> uh, the, the league announced that they were investigating the Matuidi signing to make sure it uh, and whether it complied with the league's roster rules and regulations, guidelines, and essentially to like eliminate all like that talk is essentially they're trying to see if uh, Matuidi's salary, because uh, it is just a salary. Like I said, he didn't have, he came on a free transfer. Um, would qualify for him to be a DP or a Sam player. Um, Chris Henderson, Inter-Miami sporting director and chief soccer officer, did tell us that uh, Matuidi will be a designated player for this season. Uh, Jorge Mas told us the plan when they signed Matuidi was for him to be a designated player for the 2021 season. Um, Investigation-wise, that doesn't cover up 2020 because technically that would have meant they 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 were they're trying to figure out if they paid essentially paid too much payments between too much to the point where they would technically have four designated players on the roster and now they do have four designated players on the roster um technically ahead of what uh i don't even know what to call it next friday was supposed to be the opening uh opening day of mls and what did they call it compliance day i'm gonna call it compliance yeah, day compliance opening day, compliance day. <laughs> Uh, next Friday is compliance day. So what Inter Miami is trying to do is we have Matuidi as a DP. There's no update on that. Uh, we, we talked about that. There's no update. It's been going on for over a month at this point. They thought it might get figured out within a week or so. It's been a little over a month. Um, but now how that affects them is even without the investigation, which who knows if they, if they're found guilty or of wrongdoing, whatever, who knows what the punishment will be, but they also have to, you know, now that that's true, they have to fix their roster. So it's like a two-part 
Right. Like two parts within that, actually like three parts within that, maybe even four if you want to think about it like that. But the investigation is more so about 2020. And I don't even know if it's so much the ripple effects of the investigation because they say the DP, he was going to be a DP for 2021. But there are, there, there is the aftermath of, all right, so what's our roster going to look like this season, this season being 2021? So you said that was on a Friday. So are you just like in the middle of WandaVision and then the news breaks and you have to... <laughs> <laughs> you have to put that down no so and you know i think wandavision actually uh ended was it that friday i think wanted may have been yeah no it was that friday yes it was yes it was because uh it Falcon was yeah. told you started the night uh the two fridays after that yes so yeah. it was and that was the first friday of may uh march sorry when that dropped no, I was, I, I was, I'm not gonna lie, I, I was getting my hair braided. Like, uh, <laughs> I had, like, the lady just grabbed my hair, like, she had just, like, started pulling it, and I get a message on my phone. I'm like, all right. Like, she had just, like, took the front, the front of my hair to, to like, twist it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I, I, I reached out to my editor, she, uh, helped me out and then I was able to you know piece some things together but I was like it was like 9 a.m I was ready to like I was ready and next thing I know I'm just getting it was March 5th yes because Falcon Winter Soldier started uh March 19th so yes it was yes. I didn't even, I don't even know if I got to finish WandaVision yet <laughs> maybe I did I don't remember but everything after every WandaVision kind of like took the bad seats uh, on that day because yeah yeah because you had to you had to do the the McQueedy yeah. so yeah I'll remember that I'll remember that it was a Friday forever <laughs> Man. I just picture Kobe sitting in the seat on Zoom with with different people he works with. And the lady behind him, they're going, "What in the world is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so, sure if the lady knew like what was going on, uh, like if she realized like I was like having some kind of like, <laughs> like what am I gonna do about this? Like I'm not even close to being done. Like if I just walked out of this shop right now, I would look absolutely wild. But. Um, yeah, that was uh that was a day. My head my head was hurt. It was even hurting, but my head was tight and so apparently was uh the inner Miami situation. It was tight as well. So I was like, man, everybody today. So kind of moving on just before we get into the team for 2021. Um I read one of your articles and you're talking about the, the lack of preseason. They're, they were at IMG and had the preseason friendlies canceled. Um, were there concerns when talking to the club about the lack of preseason? How are the guys doing as far as fitness? Um, you know, they they didn't want to make excuses, obviously. Uh, so I can't – I'm not going to speak on them. Uh, there shouldn't be too much of a concern simply because they did get to schedule uh, three more preseason games, preseason friendlies. They played one against Miami FC on Wednesday they're playing another friendly against Miami FC on April 11th and then they're going to be able to play another one against Toronto FC on April 11th so it does hurt from this fact that they're only going to be able to have a scrimmage or a friendly whatever you want to call it against one MLS team when I think they're originally scheduled to play two with the possibility of it being three uh during the preseason but that's just the way it is. I mean, they're not they're not the only ones who had a bunch of games canceled, right. a, bunch, uh, a bunch of friendlies canceled because of this pandemic or people testing positive or just not feeling safe. So it's coming with the territory of trying to play sports in 2021. It is unfortunate and it will probably have it will I would imagine it'll have an effect on their sharpness, maybe not so much the fitness side of it, but their sharpness, understanding, you know, 
Neville's philosophies, not just understanding, but, you know, kind of adjusting as you play, because it's great to know it in theory, but once right. you get on the field, that's when you really know what you're doing. Um, so it may have a little slower start to the season because of it, but, you know, it's not just them that's going through it. So it, they may have been the one of the most team, uh, one of the teams that hit the most or hit the hardest in terms of how many games in a row they canceled, but they made it up with a few more and, it, it, it almost, I hate to say like this, but it almost like it is what it is to a point and because they're not the only ones doing it. So moving on to the specific attacking uh, questions here. The attack was near the bottom of the league last year in 2020, tied with three other clubs for the third worst goal total last season. Uh, what do you think were some of the issues getting the balls in the back of the net in 2020? Um, so imbalanced attack and predictable which kind of go hand in hand so lewis morgan obviously he tore it up for inter miami in his first year in mls i think he went five goals eight assists um mvp of the uh club appointed mvp for his 2020 season uh he got rewarded with their much richer contract got signed to a tam deal if you look at his numbers, uh, like I said, five goals, eight assists. He had, I think, tied for the most big chances, second in the most uh, just chances, period. They would almost equal um, or maybe even a little better than the attacking production on the left side. because the, And it was, a ro- it was a rotation of uh, – it was a rotation of – I'm sorry. Uh, news just broke as we're speaking right now. Uh, that's why I've been looking at my. That's phone. awesome. Uh, wow. I am so sorry about this. This is. No, you're fine. Okay. This is. It's looking like I'll say it right now. It's looking like Dylan Nealis for Inter Miami is being traded to Nashville SC. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. We're going to keep we're going to keep going with this. I will <laughs> hear this uh, throughout. Uh, it is interesting because uh, we were at practice earlier today. Have you guys ever had breaking news on your podcast like this? Never, <laughs> never. No, it's usually right before we record uh, with, with whatever team we're talking about. Actually, so that we we knew something was going to happen, but uh, <laughs> not on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting, you know. Yeah, Dylan Nealis, that that's one of their their right. Uh, if not clear, that's one of their right backs. He probably would have been um, the second right back, maybe third right back uh, for Inter Miami. But yeah, it, this is interesting. He was also, I think, the number three pick for the Super Draft last year. Along and Inter Miami took Robbie Robinson. I am so sorry. Like this is not how you guys planned it. No, you're um, fine. But yeah, this is uh this is interesting. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we were saying we we're talking about the attack. That's completely my fault. We went from the attack to the right back. Um, no, he. Uh, yeah, it was just imbalance last year. It was imbalance. It was. It, it was. It was just wasn't it. I mean, we've talked about Matias. I'm sure we'll talk about Matias Pellegrini later, but um, he just had a season that you know it wasn't what I guess they were hoping for. Maybe wasn't expecting. And yes, he's young. Um, there's so much context 
sometimes I mean maybe miss when you talk about some of these younger guys, especially in a year like last year when you had COVID hit, when you uh, first time living um, away from your home country, right. adjusting to the MLS. Like one of those things enough would be enough to really just impact uh, impact uh, such a young player. But having all of it hit you at the same time, he didn't he didn't live up to the expectation and or he did not live up. He didn't play to the expectation that his um, his salary and that his status as a DP would warrant. I should say it like that. And sometimes it was hard. You know, sometimes you could see glimpses of what he would bring to the field, you know, the work rate, being able to play on the ball. You could see flashes, but a lot of times those flashes simply were flashes and there were nothing sustained throughout the year. So that only hurt his, um, that only hurt his ability to, uh, to carry out. And it only hurt the Inter-Miami team, the team they put on the field. Um, and then they just had a rotation of guys, whether it's Matias Pellegrini, Breck Shea. Uh, I think even they even had Juan Agudelo out in, uh, at, left wing at one point they put Adolfo Pizarro out there um it just wasn't balanced it was they just couldn't have the same production on the left side as they did the right they didn't really play through the midfield like that Adolfo Pizarro for all of his talent um isn't really the kind of number 10 you would expect he isn't that playmaking number 10 who can just get who can serve balls to the forwards who can you know have that vision to just go through he likes to combine he likes to you know um do all that so just the imbalance and the predictability. Because if you know the left side's not good, it almost, uh, Alex Winley, she almost called it like, uh, give it to Lewis Morgan, cross and pray. Because that's <laughs> almost what it became sometimes. It, you, it would become predictable. You knew Lewis Morgan would get the ball and he would try to send it over. And he would you, he almost just like pray that, you know, I didn't pray myself, but you know, <laughs> like that sometimes. Like Diego Alonso would be on the field. Like, I just hope this lands in the right spot. <laughs> because I'm trying to score a goal. So kind of moving into Phil's, Phil Neville's system, um, what kind of system does he play? Uh, what does he expect from his players? And um, how, how does this team really fit into his style? Uh, with Phil, I've watched a few of his uh, matches with the England's women's national team. Uh, he, he likes to use, and I think it fits, especially with the fullbacks, he likes to, you know, send his fullbacks up, overlap with the uh, with the wingers, um, but he is, um, which Inter-Rami tried to do last year uh, a little bit with um, under Diego Alonso, especially with uh, with Ben Sweat on the left. He would have been the left back, and he would have been overlapping with name whoever the left wing was who was playing that specific game. That, uh, but Phil Phil definitely emphasize that but I think he's a little more balanced in terms of the attack he does also want to emphasize he also wants to take advantage of the middle he wants to play through the middle I think I, I saw a stat where uh with Phil English women national team the from there the year couple the several matches before Phil and then going in, and then after Phil they had very much had their attack a lot more balanced in terms of it was obviously through the flanks but also they did try to go through the middle and I think that will be beneficial not just because I think term their middle is a little stronger this year from the jump, but you become a little less predictable. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain, uh, he joined the season uh, during the summer, only had the one goal. 
how, how much are Miami relying on him this season? And are they deep enough at the forward position to be successful if he struggles? Um, they, 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 they can't, they, I'm just going to say they they can't get, uh, a, a subpar year from Ghazali Wahin. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I don't think Karansa isn't good. I think if, uh, I guess I'll answer it backwards. Karansa, he, I, it's not because I don't think he be, can be good, but I think this team is very much built in the way of, like, if we don't have Gonzalo scoring goals, like, he's supposed to be our guy. Yes, yeah, so Lewis Morgan Lewis Morgan said himself he wants to get double-digit assists and goals. I have no doubt he can get there, um, especially in a 34-game season as opposed to a 23-game season. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can get some from Pizarro, but I truly do believe that it's the scoring in terms of more so the goals, maybe not the assists, but definitely the goals. It has to come from Gonzalo. Um, I know they have... Like I said, Gananza up top. I know Robbie can play. Robbie Robinson can play up top. The number one uh, pick from the last year's Super Draft. But this is the year in which if Gonzalo isn't scoring, I'm gonna say 15 to 20 goals, and I think there's expectation that for more. But I'm gonna say 15 to 20. That's a range right there. If he isn't getting to that mark, then. I would be concerned, especially over a 34-game season. He played, what, eight games last year or maybe nine. He played 800 minutes. If he can't get to 15 to 20, um, which is a lot, right, which, which is which is a good amount, but if he can't get there, then that, that attack is going to be missing a lot. Something, to me, something didn't go right if he doesn't get to that point. I read an article that said that, uh, and kind of moving into um, Pizarro, that uh, Phil Neville basically called him the cherry on top with Iguain when, when they're playing well together. How crucial is their link up uh, since you said that they do like, like Phil Neville's going to rely on playing down that, that center? And... No, it's, it's going to be crucial. It is absolutely going to be crucial. Um, and it's going to be different because, like I said, Pizarro isn't that number 10 in that way. So it may have to come through other ways. It may have to come through, you know, and this is something that, he, that I think Phil wants to see, you know, the wingers coming in a little bit. And maybe, you know, Pizarro can combine with Lewis Morgan. Instead of, you know, Lewis having to send the cross all the way um, down, uh, going down the flank and sending the cross, maybe Pizarro and Lewis, you know, they create opportunity uh, a little more inward on the field. And maybe you have, I'm thinking on the right side specifically, because I think that's, that's going to be their strong side. Again, maybe you'll have uh, Kelvin Leardman, you know, making that run and trying to find an opening while Pizarro and Lewis Morgan create an opening. And maybe that opening creates something for Gonzalo and uh, Lewis can be the one maybe this year. Maybe Pizarro can, like I said. Um, it is going to be important that Pizarro is better, but I just don't know if he's that kind of player where you would be like, all right, this is the duo. Um, this Pizarro is going to be linking with, uh, with EYM because I don't – and maybe I'm just seeing the game differently, but I just don't see that Pizarro as that kind of player. I see, I see ironically enough – I see Gonzalo's brother more as that kind of player. They have him on the roster, but I'm not sure how much playing time he's truly going to get uh, this year. Uh, You're speaking about the wingers right there with Morgan and, you know, they have uh, Pellegrini who uh, looks like Jeff Reuter and Sam stay school were told that one of the possible solutions to this DP problem is that uh, they might trade Pellegrini. Um, Are you expecting him to be the, the DP that, is probably on the outside looking in or uh, do you think that there's another way to fix it other than 
getting rid of Pellegrini? Uh, yeah, I think Pellegrini will be, have to be the one who, I hate to say it, but who, who, who gets ousted. I hate saying it like that, but he's going to be the one on the outs basically for this. Um, how I understand it, I've heard the same things that were reporting The Athletic. Um, they, Inter Miami cannot buy, buy down any of their uh, any of their DPS with allocation money. Um, they thought, and I I mentioned this earlier today. I uh, tweeted it out. Um, I have a larger story on it on uh, Saturday, but they thought that uh, Pellegrini would have been able to go into the U twenty two initiative. I've heard, and uh, Mas Jorge Mas alluded to it. That that's not going to be the case. So it's very much uh, okay we can for one of our dps we either have to sell loan trade or have a buyout um buyout is to me that's like the last option like they pay six to nine million dollars in their transfer fee for pellegrini to just buy his deal out to buy his salary out that just it's flushing money down the toilet flushing money down the toilet for only one year right try to trade him, which I know the athletic reporter that's thinking about trading him in the league, maybe a short, uh, maybe a loan within the league as well. Mm -hmm. But if it is one of them, I would expect it to be Pellegrini simply because Iguain and Matuidi, you just, I mean, I know we're saying you only have one season Pellegrini, but you literally just got Matuidi and uh, and Iguain. And yeah, you, you, you just got him. So or just got them, I should say. And Pizarro, he's still an in your prime, you know, DP. Uh, and you, I think you pay even more for him. So you can't, you, I guess you can, but you, you wouldn't expect that kind of player like him. It almost just leaves Pellegrini as a, uh, as the ones who has to, you know, suffer the consequences of all of this. It was just unfortunate because you know, you, you come, you come to the team expecting, you know, this was going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. You had expectations for you. The team has, has expectations for you. You have expectations of yourself. You think it's all going to work out. It doesn't. And now you're talking, you're looking a year later and you may have to go into a whole different situation again. And, you know, you, you don't get to get settled. And especially, I think he's what, 20 now, 21. It can be hard for someone that age, but I do think it'll have to be him uh, just because, the other three are kind of, yeah, they're, they're just kind of here to stay, at least for this season. So if I understand it right, what it sounds like what you said was that they were originally thinking Matweedy would be Tam for last year mm-hmm. and be able to become a DP this year and that they were waiting for the under 22 classification to be made. And they thought that uh, Pellegrini would fit under that. So they thought they would be able to still keep all four of them, but they, but he doesn't qualify, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll say it a little better this time. Yeah, they when they signed Matuidi last year, the DP he Matuidi was signed as a TAM player, and Pellegrini, Iwain, and Pizarro were the three DPs. Right. And I guess they in my set at the time they signed Pellegrini, which would have been July 2019, I believe. They thought that they would have been able to put. Pellegrini into this U22 initiative. I think he referred to it as a young player transfer fund, but basically U22, uh, unlimited amount you can spend on transfer fees. Your salary is capped, I think, at the the max salary before, you know, I think it's like $612,000. 
Um, you have to be what 22 before uh, at the time of signing. You can stay in that designation is up until you're 25. They thought Pellegrini might be able to be classified as that. Um, but his salary, how I'm understanding it, is too high. Um, okay. It is too high um, to be classified as that. Um, and it's not as simple as using allocation money to buy down his deal because it's his, it's his actual salary, not his cap hit. Okay. So that's how I understand it. So because the salary is too high, it goes over that threshold, he has to remain, I guess, a classification would be a young DP, which is still a DP on um, on record or on right. guidelines designation. And so uh, Matuidi, as long as nothing goes wrong in the investigation, there's nothing handed down um, just because he's the player involved. Um, and then they go and grab Gregor uh, in the midfield. Can you kind of just speak to that pairing in the midfield? How good can they be? Um, and what you looking for in uh, the midfield in 2021? Yeah, uh, th- that Gregory signing, I- I'm I'm saying it right now. I've been saying it. I'm very high on that. I think that was their most important uh, slash their best signing of the uh, of the offseason because they last year they really didn't we, we've talked about the attack a lot but they lacked that bite in that central midfield they lacked that you know that ball that, a guy who can just win the ball back that 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 aggressiveness just that you know when you, you see it when you see it on the field a guy who's going to get all these tackles is going to be that that strong defensive minded presence in the midfield they didn't have that and i think there's going to be gregory uh gregory uh, gregory I hear it different every single time. It's I don't know what to do. I, th- I, was, I was told gonna, it's Gregory. Yeah, I was gonna say nobody says it the same. <laughs> I was told it's Gregory, so I'm yeah. just gonna keep saying Gregory. But yeah. he he's going to be the most important sign because he'll also allow Matuidi to play like to be to be the eight basically. Matuidi can be be the one who can move box to box. Right. He doesn't have to worry so much about the defensive assignments because Gregory is that he is the the ideal partner for Matuidi, especially at this stage of his career. And Matuidi, I mean, he just – he didn't have the kind of season, uh, even coming in midway through the season, um, that he expected. I mean, it's, a, it's a, a story that we hear a bunch of times, you know. Guys come from overseas, they get their experience, and they realize, oh, shoot, MLS is a little tougher than I thought. Or maybe they're just like – it's just a different style of game, and they weren't prepared for it. And then they come back the second season, and they're better. Uh, maybe they, they made, maybe they're better than they were in, in wherever they came from. Maybe they're just as good, whatever. But they're usually better. Uh, just because they got the time to, you know, adjust on the field, but more more importantly, also adjust off the field. Um, and I think being able to adjust off the field, kind of like uh, with some of the other younger players, other players on the team, I think that's going to help Matuidi uh, more than anything else to be back to that, you know, to that level people are accustomed to seeing him at. Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, Miami allowed 35 goals last year. It was in the bottom half of the league. Uh, What were some of the issues with the defense last season, and have they done enough to address those? Yeah, their issue, and we spoke about this a lot last year, miscommunication and just lapses. And lapses, like mental lapses, where you, you just lose focus for a second or the communication is gone for a second and then things just break down. Um, I, I don't want this to be as, as the internet calls it slander, 
because he he's a he's a professional um mm -hmm. and i think he, he he can do good things with austin fc but there were plenty of moments last year when a player like ben sweat um, he would just he would have a uh, maybe not mental error but just there would be an error on his side and that would cause a breakdown of the defense um andres reyes who's now with the new york red bulls i think he's gonna he's a talented skilled young prospect who um at inter miami stated that they wanted to keep wound up not keeping him for reasons that they uh that they didn't um there were moments where he last year as talented as he is as good as he's going to be he would have errors um and just lapses and things just break down like once you have one lapse in the especially in the back four um especially in a back four which the the bite in the central midfield wasn't as strong as it could have been it just like a snowball effect it's the avalanche so for them that's what you know that that, that hurt um and it just kind of snowballed from there every single time um it, it's at some moments looked better it was just inconsistent um almost like the attack inconsistent but it was inconsistent for a different reason because at least with the attack it was inconsistent because it was uh it was predictable it was it wasn't balanced and there just wasn't that there seemed to be a, a disjointedness to it all but the defense it was just lapses it was just i you would almost be able to freeze it in a frame and you could just see where things would break down like okay this i see this is happening right here these, these things are going to break down right here um but i do think they did what they i think they did enough uh they're going to get uh, Kieran Gibbs. He's not going to come into the summer, but uh, from what I've heard, what I've read, he should be a very solid uh, addition to the team and really solidify that left back position. Um, Jovan Jones, who's I would assume if he isn't the starting left back on opening day uh, versus the like, Galaxy, I would assume he's going to be the uh, starting left back going forward until Gibbs arrives um, and is ready to play. Solid MLS veteran, reliable. He had he who can do it on both sides because you know, again, uh, a game like soccer it works both ways. See, the defense versus the offense, offense versus the defense, or vice versa. It helps. It helps. So I think he'll be able to provide that two way uh, that two way balance uh, for the team. They solidify um, the right back as well with Kel uh, Kelvin Leardom. You know, with uh, both of them former Seattle players. Um, at one point, Kelvin one of the better right backs in the league. And I mean, the center of the park, you still have Figal, you still have uh, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. I think those two guys are going to, both studs in their own right. I think it's going to help Nico Figal a lot if he can play center back for most of the year, because so much of last year he was playing right back and it's not, the, it's not his natural position. So I think those having those guys to start the season is really going to just lock things down. They're going to provide that two-way balance uh, between offensive and defense on the, um, as fullbacks. And then they, they added Ryan Shawcross who, you know, for all his concerns, you don't have to worry about his experience or, you know, um, youth and, you know, maybe not being as sharp from, from that and being a concern. You, you know that, you know, he's, he, you know, what he can bring from that in, uh, from that side of things. Other concerns, we can talk about them if you guys want to, but the concerns about Shawcross are very much different from the concerns about Reyes in 2021. Yeah, and how much does uh, Gregory or uh, how much is that going to be a big help him kind of shielding that, that center back, those center backs? That's got to help tremendously, right? I mean, this, uh, the Adam Leardham and Jones, it seems like those are just solid MLS pieces that have done it for a long time. And, and then Gregor comes in. How much can he shield the two center backs? Tremendously. I, like I said it earlier in the spot, he is 
the biggest signing they made this offseason. I mean, to me, without a doubt. Like, I don't even know if it's uh, if like I don't even know if it's in question. That's the big. I mean, I think they signed him to a Tam deal. I want to say there's a reason why they did, just because he is. To for what I've seen, he is that good, and that position specifically, that number six spot, was a position they really needed to shore up. Um, to really give the center backs, you know, some cushion to give them, uh, or maybe that's some uh, like almost like a pillow in front of them, to where it's not as things don't leak out to them as much. So John McCarthy looks to be the number one in goal for Miami. Um, what do you expect from the 20-year-old or 28-year-old keeper? Um, and are there areas of improvement? Yeah, could you see maybe somebody battling for that spot in between the posts? Man, you said 20-year-old. I was like, dang, John, I thought he was. <laughs> I was like, I didn't read that right. It's 28 in my notes. No, 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 no. It's good. It's, good. it's, it's all good. Oh, uh, no. John, yeah, he, he's going to be the number one to start the season. Um, Inter-Miami has been tied with a lot of goalkeepers. Um, throughout the year. I, I can't even name all of them right now off the top of my head. It feels like every – I'm not joking. It feels like every four to six weeks there's another goalkeeper. Even dating back to the end of last year, after Luis Robles got hurt, they've been tied to goalkeepers. Um, and maybe this is – I just come at it differently. I, I think John McCarthy is going to be – I think he's fine. I think he's a fine MLS goalkeeper. I don't know if um, – there, there is a certain level of confidence in him because if they were really desperate for a goalkeeper, they could obviously get one. Um, so the fact that they haven't gotten one speaks to a certain level of confidence to me in terms of, you know, they're not like, we need a goalkeeper. But the fact that they are continuing to uh, be linked with other goalkeepers and uh, Chris Henderson even told us himself that they've had talks with goalkeepers lets me know that they aren't, they both want competitiveness in that, depth chart for the goalkeeper obviously but it's also they may not be 100% certain on his status as a starter understandable uh before last he was a sub last year before that he was in USL um kind of a uh he he hasn't been a consistent starter I think at any point in his career at this level so it's understandable but from what I saw from him last year I thought he was fine um and for in a, in a league where you know he got a salary cap you don't have unlimited resources to spend on certain positions. Um, I don't think goalkeeper is where I would spend my resources um, for this team specifically, mm-hmm. just because I think they're as good as it's looking as, you know, you have Pizarro in the middle, you have EY and you have all these big names and you got Morgan who's right. a revelation. That left wing is still concerning me. It's still like, that's the part is like, I don't want you. I, I'm not worried about the goalkeeper. If you can solidify that left wing, maybe it is Joven Jones. I mean, it's not. Uh, maybe it's Pellegrini. I don't know because he may not even be on the team. Right, maybe right. maybe moving Robbie <laughs> Robinson to the left will maybe free him up a little bit more. I just have more questions about the left wing as I do the goalkeeper. That's all. That's been my. I guess how I've looked at this. I will say as a uh, as a Union fan, uh, McCarthy, we really enjoyed him here. I think if Andre Blake wasn't our goalkeeper, he probably would have got a better shot at uh, at playing because he played a lot of Open Cup matches and some important games. Uh, but, yeah, I guess we'll see how he makes the step to being uh, probably a, a constant starter there. Yeah, um, well, I, 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 like I said, I, even watching him for the whatever, seven, eight, nine games to start last year, yeah. you get the moments where it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't like – he's not a high-level 
uh, MLS goalkeeper, but you know, he, he did well. I mean, he, he is younger and maybe I'm just because I'm comparing to what Luis Robles brought to the table at, you know, the year that he was about to retire, okay. <laughs> which, which I guess I just think that's a context. Um, but even when Luis went down to me, when I was watching, it didn't feel like that work. It didn't feel like the team got worse with John McCarthy on the field. Um, which, like I said, it's weird saying that because Luis did retire, like, whatever long later after the season ended. But at the same time, I think it does say a lot about a guy who was the backup, who, who went pretty much the entire season being the backup, went into the season thing, he was going to be a backup. And now he goes into the season thing, you know, I know, and it can go both ways. I know that they're shopping for other goalkeepers. I know they're doing this, but this is my, this is my chance to prove myself. Like, this is my, like you said, he was behind Andre Blake for, at the Union. When the heck is he going to get in outside of <laughs> <open> <laughs> games? Oh, and Andre Blake can't play. So this is like really, and and uh, combined with the end of last year and going to this year, this is really his chance to be like, I belong in this league. I am the starting goalkeeper. And talking to John as little as I have, I think he, he'll be he'll be in a very strong state of mind how and how he approaches that. All right, our last question is always, what would be a successful season for Inter-Miami? Top five finish in the East. Uh, I know Jorge Moss said that they wanted to be top three, uh, but I, I think if they can be top five, make the playoffs, get a top five seed, I think that would be enough to be successful. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's good enough. It, I want to say top four to make it a little spicier. It's top four. Top four, top five. That is the number one answer. Every team uh, that we interview says top four. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, top four. I mean, because what is it? They're going to go back to 17 playoffs. So you don't want to be seven, six. Right. You don't want to be seven or six just because he's like, you're barely sneaking in again like they did last year. And if they got to seven, that's better finish than last year. But with the talent on this roster and with the expectations you have, it should be top four and you should have just as many wins and losses as you do. At least you, you should actually probably have more wins, uh, wins and ties rather wins and draws as you do losses, uh, which I guess kind of goes hand in hand with being a top four seat or top five seat. I was going to say, Jordan, it, that's not completely true. We had uh, the guy that covers uh, Montreal on, and he said a good season would be MLS Cup win. <laughs> yeah. We all know that's not realistic. Um, uh, but, no, just kind of moving on and, and and wrapping up, Kobe, we really want to thank you. Can you just plug your stuff one more time so people know where to find your work? Yeah, no, uh, like I said, I South Florida Sun Sentinel. Uh, that's where you can find all my work on Inter Miami. Uh, and, like I said, Inter Miami Insider on Twitter – that is the account that you can follow along with all the Sun Sentinel, uh, Inner Miami work, and Kobe Price. Find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram, find me on whatever. Um, holla at me. I'm here. I'll respond to you. Uh, I'll try to respond to you if I can, whether it's DMs, replies. Uh, but yeah, no, this was fun. Appreciate you guys. I'm sorry it got kind of like I know I got kind of just joined in when the trade. <laughs> it's all right. No, you're fine. But yeah, just thanks again, Kobe. Um, and wish y'all uh, the luck and the rest of the season. And, um, I guess go enter. Sure. Appreciate. All right, and that was Kobe Price breaking down Inner Miami for us and breaking news while he was on here. Which now, 
obviously, since the show's not live, is actually old news by the time you listen to this. But, <laughs> uh, it happened while we were uh, on with him. Uh, Logan, what's your thoughts here on uh, Inter-Miami, and have has Kobe changed your outlook on this team at all? Yeah, um, I will say they aren't the dumpster fire that I thought they were. The situation with Matuidi, it's going to get solved. I think they're going to get hit with some kind of fine, or they're going to they're going to lose a player on the wing that I think is a really big question mark heading into the season on the left side of that that attacking um, front. Uh, they're going to be missing a wing that's proven over there. And I think Pellegrini was impressive for some people. I think he's like 19 or something like that or 20. Um, but yeah, I, you know, this team is not what I thought they were as far as like dumpster fire in the, and then the fact that they did make some good defensive signings. Um, Jones is really good. Uh, they've got, um, I can help me. Uh, uh, what the heck is his name? Help me. Uh, uh, why am I struggling with this name? Um, who are you talking about? On the right back, uh, Ladier. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of the name. But, yeah, the, on the right back spot, they're going to be pretty solid. I think the center back uh, issues are maybe still there, but I do think with Gregor in the middle uh, as the defensive mid, that's going to help tremendously. Iguain is their big – I mean, if Iguain doesn't play well, this team's not good. Um, one goal in 800 minutes – that's really concerning for somebody that has done it for so long. And I think, <clears throat> I think uh, Kobe said 15 to 20 goals. Um, I'm going to have to check the stats on that, but I just don't, I don't see that happening. Um, and I'll, and I'll let you get your thoughts in and I'll go check that stats, but I don't think that's happened in some time for Iguain. Um, So I, I, this, this team is a big question mark for me. And I'm sure when we get into predictions, we'll get more into where they, where they fit, I guess. So I've done some preliminary rankings and and now I'm wondering if I should change them after this, because, uh, you know, look, he said the expectations right for a successful season would be top four, top five. I don't think this team has it to get there, but I guess it really all comes down to me. Question marks. Gonzalo Higuain, like you said, is a big question mark. The other big question mark for me is Phil Neville. How does he fit in with this team? Do they respect him? Will they follow his coaching methods? Um, uh, was he the right fit? We don't know yet. And for that, it's what is a really big question because a lot of these teams have gone through with either keeping a lot of the same players or keeping the manager. In this case, you get some new players and a new manager and shipping out some old players. So I am kind of worried about that. I like McCarthy and goal, but you know, losing Luis Robles is, is, is difficult to retirement. And, um, yeah, for me, I, I'm not sure if they have enough to even make the playoffs. But like I said, it all depends. If they come out of the gate hot uh, with with everything working great and the players are – and Higuain does score between 15 and 20 goals, then they could be a potential threat for that. But, you know, this is a, a smaller playoff field than last year, so I don't think it would be an unsuccessful season if they just miss out on that playoff spot. I did the check. It's been since 2017 and 2018 since Iguain had over 15 goals. He had 16 that season. Different league though, too. I mean, I think he it could. Is. I think he could definitely yeah. put in 15 to 20 here. Yeah. But it all depends on the service too. And it that's does. what you know. Kobe was yep. talking about how they kind of were Lewis Morgan whip, you know, and then whipping it in or whatever. And if they have a more balanced attack, like he said that Neville brought to the English women team, then. Yeah, maybe maybe Higuain goes off and and gets that, and maybe he wins Golden Boot. You know, it, I think that's what it would take for this team to be top four or five, though. 
Uh, if you want to tell us how big of a Heat Gwaine stand you are, you can contact us at Stateside Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us statesideshow at gmail.com. And we will catch you all next time. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.